Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is already The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn. My Talk 107.1. Well, we have to talk about uh, something that we don't, nobody wants to really think about, but it's important to know where the story is going with Kevin Spacey. That's nasty. It's it's so nasty. He is gross. So nasty. And he should be in jail. Well, I'll say it. Uh, if I will say, if the allegations made by the alleged victims in the case against Kevin Spacey are true, he should certainly be in jail now. The reason we're talking about this is because he is currently at trial in the United Kingdom, facing twelve charges from four different men uh, in front of a jury who has now he- heard from and seen evidence from these witnesses, these victims, and I will tell you. Yes. When we came back from uh, vacation, mm-hmm. I caught up. So this was one of what, like half a dozen stories that kind of developed while we were gone. And I was like, oh, yeah, that Kevin Spacey trial started last week. So I read an account from one of the victims, and I'm not going to go into details, but I will essentially say this victim. Now, remember, uh, Kevin Spacey. I forget. I think he was artistic director over at the Old Vic. Yes. Uh, between 2004 and 2015, and it was there where he connected with uh, a bunch of people, but specifically the victims in this case, young men. One of whom, his account was just harrowing, and essentially, like he had reached out to Kevin Spacey because he thought Kevin Spacey would be a good mentor. Mm. Kevin Spacey like called him up and he was like surprised like wow Kevin Spacey's actually returning my call but he called him at like 11 o'clock at night it was the the whole story as he recounts it is really sketchy from the get-go but this you know guy was just like this is a huge opportunity right like yes that's the problem with all of this yeah like it, it becomes clear when you read the account that Kevin Spacey if these allegations are true is a predator and had a move And he invited this guy over. They ended up having drinks. He supplied him with some uh, marijuana, I think. Mm. And they then all of a sudden the guy like passed out. And the insinuation is that he was drugged. And when he awoke, Kevin Spacey was sexually assaulting him. Yes. And it was terrifying. And when you just read this account and then you hear about the emotional trauma the physical trauma, just the after effect of being assaulted that way. It's just, it's so sad and it's so depressing, but I will say to me, and I'm not on the jury, but from reading the account, 
I was moved and would have no reason to believe that he was not a credible witness or credible victim. You have to believe that the jury is going to side with these victims because despite what they're what it sounds like Kevin Spacey's attorneys are trying to do, which is to destroy the credibility of each one of these people and Mm -hmm. to poke holes in their story and all that stuff. Like, why would somebody make up with such detail? And a lot of these accounts are very similar or have very similar moves. Again, it sounds very predatory Mm -hmm. the way he interacted. And in fact, people apparently, you know, there was lots of gossip at the time that he, you know, was attracted to young men and that he was, uh, you know, he was someone to watch out for. I think that this is just, I think that there are so many people that have witnessed him behaving in a way that is um, very flirtatious to which does not make mean that you are a predator, but um, there have been a lot of people who have witnessed Kevin Spacey being flirtatious with young men on sets. So I think that if they would just gather everybody and say, okay, what do you know? What do you know? You know, and see if people will come forward well, and you've got actual victims, so many, which have come yes. forward, which is, I think, why for the first time you're actually going to have some accountability because rumors and innuendo is one thing, right? Like, it's really hard to charge a case on that. And in fact, that's why he's been so slippery Oops. in um, court cases in the United States and through a bunch of like weird legal maneuvers, he's been able to get out of some charges. Yes. But if you take these accounts of the victims and you put them all together, they sound very similar. And that's always the indicator, Right. Um, you know, whether it's Kevin Spacey or whether it's Harvey Weinstein or whether it's Matt Lauer or whether it's Bill Cosby, there was always a move, a signature move. And Kevin Spacey, a lot of the stories that we've read, and I just, you know, sadly have to now know these things because they've I've collected them as we've talked about these stories. He was very grabby and very physical in an inappropriate way in public with people yes that just indicates that's not normal behavior and then when you when you compare those notes right like when you compare those accounts i mean again i i i'm not on trial i'm not in the jury box i can just make my own conclusions and assumptions because it means nothing but he sounds completely 100 percent like you know a predator Uh and i hope that the jury will side with the victims in this case. And I will say also when you, I would just like to not that he's listening, but commend Anthony Rapp, who is one of the stars of Star Trek discovery, who first sort of broke these stories about his interactions with Kevin Spacey and the details. I do not remember, but he came out and said, I was a victim of Kevin Spacey. And he was able to civilly, uh, bring a lawsuit against Kevin Spacey, which he lost, right. unfortunately. And long story short, it doesn't mean that his account was not true because I think Kevin Spacey has benefited. There was a kid who brought this charge against him, this case against him. It ended up getting dropped, though, because his mom uh, had him erase a bunch of text messages off his phone, like mm. because she was afraid that, you know, there was going to be incriminating evidence. Long story short, th- it's not the charges that were somehow deemed incorrect or lies or not true right it was this like legal maneuvering that got him out of these mm-hmm. these charges um but in this case you know there will i i don't see how he gets out of this who knows i right. mean stranger well, things have happened exactly but in the case of anthony rap he raised 
the allegation that essentially Kevin Spacey like threw himself on Anthony Rapp when he was just 14 years old. Yes. And this was back in the 80s, I think. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, I just, for the victims, not especially, you know, you just want them to have a sense of peace that, you know, they could move on and resolve something in their life. You know, it just, that's what I hope for them. Well, and for the rest of the world, I want justice so that Kevin Spacey is not able to do these things anymore. He seems hell bent on bringing back his career. And he thinks the best way to do that is apparently to have these trials, find him not guilty so he can move on. And it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And again, we have no reason to not believe these victims. Right. And if they're telling similar stories, this is not for you can say it's for financial gain, but I don't in this case, where's the financial gain that they're going to get? No, no, they're just mm. they're speaking up and they talk about it. And if you listen to the one victim in this particular case, I mean, this is a person who is and will be affected for the rest of his life. Absolutely. And traumatized because of the abuse that he. Yes, suffered. yes. They can never, ever you can go through therapy, but you're never the same. You know, when we come back. Dawn, from one court battle to another, you're going to bring us inside the courtroom in the case of Aretha's wills. Apparently, Aretha Franklin had some handwritten wills. Three wills. And that, unfortunately, has led to some confusion and has currently found the case in court. Are we right? That's correct. You going to tell us about it when we come back? Uh Uh-huh. I sure am. Right here on my... Hey, my talkers, Bradley here for my good friends at Hero. Callhero.com. You got issues around the house? Well, I mean, issues that Hero can help with. That's heating, cooling, plumbing, HVAC, whatever it is, electrical, you name it, my friends at Hero can help. In fact, speaking of electric, if you've got electrical issues around the house, don't tackle them on your own. Do what we do. Call Hero. Why? Well, they're the experts, and they've been around for over 100 years Dealing with homes right here in the Twin Cities, they know older homes, they know those unique construction uh, and the unique systems that those homes present. In fact, when we had them out to our house uh, to answer some questions about our electrical system, we found out we had two electrical systems. Right now is a great time to have them come out and deal with those electrical issues around the house because you can save $69. You want to save $69? Easy. Next electrical repair, callhero.com. And don't forget to tell them Bradley sent you. That's callhero.com. They'll come out with uh, professionalism and a service you've never experienced. Call Hero.com today and tell them Bradley sent you. The Adventures of Bradley Dawn, My Talk 1071. This is your place for entertainment news. And Aretha Franklin, she had some unsigned wills. And that's going to be a part of a trial in Detroit as her son's battle um, for power over her estate. I read this article, which is in our show links page, and it was written by a good friend of hers, actually, Roger Friedman, who he's, you know, he's a reviewer. He's done a lot of pieces for New York Magazine. You might recognize his name. He's he's a movie critic. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes, all kinds of things. Sure. Um, and he was very good friends with Aretha Franklin and tells of this account where he went to her home because she essentially was dying of cancer and wanted to see her one more time. He says in this article that there were actually three wills that were drawn up over the years Mm -hmm. and that he feels like the will from, she never would sign anything. And he feel, it seems like to me that this was a purposeful thing 
because she would change her mind back and forth, but she never really wanted to commit to actually saying, I want to give this child more than the other child. Yeah. So the but that's first, what she was essentially saying. Right, Just right. Just didn't want to sign her name to that fact. Right. So one of the wills, um, one of the wills favored her second son, Eddie, and her fourth son, known as Kelf, who had uh, grandchildren that she adored. And that was a will from 2014. He believes that that is the will that should be upheld because the will that um, he made, she made in 2010, it was really favoring her son, Teddy, because Teddy played in her band at the time. And then for some reason, he just left the band and moved to Florida. And there was this sense of estrangement, like something had happened between her and Teddy. And um, even when she was really ill, Teddy was not around. Um, Teddy did not come to visit her. He did not have contact with her. But Teddy has now come forward saying, hey, she one time wrote this will and I'm in it as a large portion of owning her estate. Yeah. But then there was another will that she, none of these have been signed. And then towards the end of her life, um, I mean, this is whenever she was in her last days, her lawyer actually drew up another will for her to sign that was maybe more even, or maybe like, I don't know. He doesn't say what was in that will, but she would say, oh, I'll just get to it. Like, she's like, have you signed that will yet? He was urging her because she was a little bit in denial that she might be passing away soon. And, you know, her lawyer was like, so are you going to sign this will? You know, didn't want to hound her about it. But it was a it was a big thing that she chose not to do in the end. So now and and they even said to her, like, you do you this is going to be chaos if you pass away. Like, this is not going to be resolved if you don't sign this. And do you want that to happen? And she kind of just blew it off. So now, exactly what they thought, that's what's happening. They're going to court over this. Yeah, and she died when again? This is like, like five years ago I was going to say, it has been a long time. And yeah, I remember at the like time it, but... hearing about these multiple handwritten wills and that th- this was going to cause a lot of consternation. So the fact that we're still now just dealing with it five years on or however long it's been, that crazy and it just shows you why it's important to have a will yes yes and maybe you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or commit to anything but really it does rip families apart in the end and you don't want that to happen so i know we had you know you had lisa marie presley who you know there's it's caused the same amount of trouble here which it's like was that actually signed by her these amendments and things like that so We'll, well see what so happens. The case, are we talking about this case is going to... De- Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. 
What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Determine which, if any, of those wills will um, be considered the rightful will. Right. So each will that is out there, the, it favors different sons. Yeah. So they're all sort of so bringing so is these Is a up. judge going to have to decide? Yes. A judge will have to decide. Like this one is what she wanted. Right. Okay. And that's going to be difficult considering she flip-flopped yeah. back and forth in her life. Um, so she has four sons and, you know... You know, I feel like the law should just be something really stupidly simple. Like, if you don't do a will, we're going to divide it up this many ways and move on. I think on. that's generally what it the, what the rules are. Yeah. But I guess you can always fight that if yeah, you feel like, sure. you know, you can prove that one of the children did not have a relationship. Or that's, you know, in the United States, it's that way. In other countries, completely different. So, um, yeah, this is all happening in Detroit right now. Um, and I just, I really feel for this family, you know, she, she had, she loved these grandchildren as well. And so I think that's probably also going to be included. Like they're going to show evidence, like this person came to visit her all the time. And one of the sons in particular, like moved back in, uh, moved back in with her and really, really loved his mother and took care of her and things like that. So I, I mean, if I were the judge, I would be looking at things like that. Like, which person in the end of your life chose to be with you and take care of you? And if you're in your right mind... Yeah, but you don't know what their motives were. Yeah, true. Yeah. That's why it's hard, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you you want to take the... Because per- the law would be whatever the person says. But if you don't know what the person said, or if you've got lots of things the person said that conflict one another... How do you put those in order? Yeah, that's why I, I agree with you. I think it's just best to, you know. Like, hey, guys, we're just going to split this four ways or however many ways. And, you <laughs> know, sorry, but that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I if know she if you're in the family, anything, though, and you're like, that person, has, she did not like him. Yeah. And he was not around. He does not deserve. It's like, yeah, well, it's true. But also, if she didn't the law want that, is not responsible for... For doing, you know, the, I shouldn't say the right thing. They're more concerned with doing the just thing. Right. Right. Like not what feels best. Because feelings shouldn't be in it. But it would be, it would be terrible to see that, you know, one of your siblings treated your parent really bad. I'm not saying he did. I'm just saying if that was a situation. Yeah, no, I can understand that the human feelings behind that decision and it would seem cold and and uh you know distant but at the same time i don't know it is hard hard man he also accounts that um when he went to go visit her in detroit in her uh final days uh when he actually got there with her lawyer friend the lawyer friend went upstairs first and he came down looking kind of you know sad and he said, I don't want you to see her like this. She doesn't want you to see her either. Mm. So he just talked to her on the phone a lot. And, yeah. Anyway. Hey, Dawn, thank you so much for that story. Sure. When we come back, uh, listeners, we have a very special episode of our Not a Book Club. 
because we can't do that. Lori and Julia have the book club. That's so right. we're doing our Not a Book Club. We have a very special guest joining us, Andrew Leon Hanna, the author of 25 Million Sparks, The Untold Story of Refugee Entrepreneurs, joins us on the other side of this right here. Everything entertainment. Hey, my talkers. Bradley here for my good friends at Dakota Dental. Hey, I got an exciting opportunity for you for my friends at Dakota Dental. They are hiring. They're not hiring just anybody. If you are a dental hygienist looking for a fun place to work in the South Metro with a friendly team of uh, focused on helping people, folks, I want you to call my friends at Dakota Dental. They've got competitive wages, awesome benefits, including health care. Maybe you don't want to work nights or weekends. If that's the case, you're in luck, especially if you're a dental hygienist, because Dakota Dental would love to talk to you. They've got both part-time and full-time positions available. And I will say, I've seen this firsthand, one of their best assets at Dakota Dental is their team. And you can join that team. Or if you know somebody who's a dental hygienist looking for a fun place to work, just head over to dakotadental.com. Actually, what I would suggest, if you want more details, head to Indeed or ZipRecruiter. And don't forget to tell them Bradley sent you. The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn, My Talk, 1071, Everything Entertainment. We are super excited to talk to our next guest because he will inspire you by uh, his wonderful book. And I'm talking about Andrew Leon Hanna. Uh, Bradley, you had a chance to meet Andrew. Uh. Yeah, a few weeks back, uh, I got the chance to sit down with Andrew uh, at an Alight event. Folks on the station know Alight, a Twin Cities-based organization that helps displaced persons. And Andrew was there and kind enough to talk about his new book, 25 Million Sparks, The Untold Story of Refugee Entrepreneurs. And I'm excited that we now get to talk to him on the show. Andrew, thanks for being with us. Hey, Bradley. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so now I know about the book. Dawn uh, has begun reading the book as well. I know she's been enjoying the book, but we wanted to share it with the audience. Dawn, do you have Mm -hmm. a question for Andrew now that you've picked up the book and had a chance to hear about some of the amazing people uh, he shared with us? Well, yeah, first of all, 25 Million Sparks is the name of the book. My question is, how did you choose who to highlight in this book? Because... It is about women who are in a refugee camp in Jordan, and they are doing amazing things, inspiring other people, creating businesses. Were there a lot of women and men starting their own business within the refugee camp? Yeah, well, thanks, Don, for for picking it up and reading it um, and for the kind words. Yeah, it was an interesting process. I mean, one thing just more broadly is that refugees tend to be 1.5 to 2x more entrepreneurial than native-born citizens all around the world. So from Australia, uh, Port Adelaide, Australia, to Utica, New York, to Minneapolis, um, to Yorkshire, England, all around the world. And so um, that was kind of a a broader uh, phenomenon that the book kind of tries to to talk about. With this specific um, kind of next step of zooming into Zetri, Zetri Camp is known um, as being one of the camps that has a ton of kind of entrepreneurial activity. Um, you know, camps across the world do, but in Zetri, there's a particular street uh, called Market Street that they have kind of a nickname for that has you know thousands of businesses on it. I think there's a, you know generating ten plus million in revenue a year um, in the camp, and so that's how I focused on Zetri. And then as far as the three women that I focused on. 
Um, you know, for them, it was basically, I had a partnership with Save the Children Jordan. Mm-hmm. I got to meet them. And, you know, Esma, the storyteller, Melek, the artist, and Yasmina, the uh, wedding shop and salon owner, um, were just so inspiring in my mm-hmm. conversations with them that that's kind of what led to focusing on them. You know, it it was such an eye-opening account, Don, and I hope you're having that experience, too, oh, as I can't you read put it down. about each three of these women. I mean, it's not just about these three women that Andrew tells us. I mean, there's other folks in this book who are also, you know, doing amazing things, but each of these women is doing something unique, but also just inspiring. I mean, obviously not even just people within the refugee camp. I know I learned a lot reading the book, but Andrew... You must have learned a lot, even yourself, uh, even though you focused on these issues before, writing this book mm-hmm. and meeting these women and inter- interacting with them. Yeah, absolutely, Bradley. I think one thing, um, you know, I had done a lot of work with refugee and immigrant entrepreneurs. Uh, my dad is an immigrant entrepreneur in the U.S., um, but I hadn't um, been in refugee camps as much until writing the book. Um, and I think, you know, just to paint a picture with Esma. You know, she's a social entrepreneur, a storyteller, uh, and she, you know, came to the camp early on fleeing Syria like everyone in Zetri had. Um, and she suffered a lot of, you know, unimaginable challenges. Mm. Um, but she was able to, you know, uh, you know, just sitting there with her, she's able to bring all of these kids to her trailer. That's kind of where people live is these kind of metal, metal corrugated trailers. Uh, and she's able to bring these kids in and just captivate them with stories. Uh, that are meant to inspire them, that have Syrian protagonists in them, that are meant to give them more hope uh, beyond the world that they were born into, which is one of war and violence. And so just sitting in that trailer, watching her, watching her interact with the kids, um, watching her, um, you know, bring a a light to their face and some hope to their lives. um, To me, that was you know, anything I read or had researched, it was hard to imagine uh, until I saw that. And I saw just the ability to take the darkest moment you can imagine in life and turn it into light and hope for herself and for her family and for many, many more in the community. I am to the part where she, you were telling the story. I really love, by the way, how you you have their story now, but you also go back to their life in Syria and how when they arrived at the refugee camp, they thought they were going to be able to go back to Syria. That's always mm-hmm. really the point of these refugee camps, but it just doesn't look like that is going to happen um, anytime soon just because of the situation in Syria. But I am to the point where... You know, you give her whole life, her beautiful life, where she all she loved school. She would sleep in her uniform. She would. Um, mm-hmm. She was so excited every day to go to school and learn as a kid, and then that was just cut off from her. And then she is to the point where they've given her the opportunity to become a teacher, and she's worried because she doesn't have a college education within the, that she won't be accepted. And she's just gotten the opportunity to be a part of the program, and it was just. So beautiful the way you wrote that. I, I, I want to commend you on that. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, the big part of it is um, what I tried to do was kind of uh, what I call voice-driven narrative. So mm-hmm. um, as you, you probably noticed, it's heavy on quotes from Esma, um, poems from Esma, art from Melek. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of it is just how inspiring they are and their voice coming through, hopefully. Yes. Well, I wonder, too, if you learned uh, some things. And if you guys are just joining us, we're talking to Andrew Leon Hanna, who 
uh, wrote a wonderful book that I hope that you will read called 25 Million Sparks, The Untold Story of Refugee Entrepreneurs. And like Don said, it's full of these great stories and and you do get a lot of background and you feel like these people have been through so much and yet they are so full of hope. You, uh, you know, talk about entrepreneurship. That word sounds very sort of big and ominous or vague and, and broad, but really it is it is like full of so much hope. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's these people who, despite the fact that the world seems to be crumbling around them, they are like getting up and doing something that's benefiting not just themselves and their family, but others in their community. Did you, do you feel like you learned something or felt something different about entrepreneurship as a result of the experience of writing this book? Yeah, you're actually spot on. I mean, one thing for me, especially having, spent a lot of time in the Bay Area recently. I think a lot of the um, entrepreneurship talk that you see in different magazines and like the people who are featured, uh, one thing that stood out to me compared to that is the entrepreneurship in Zetri and refugee entrepreneurs all around the world, you know, from, you know, again, Minneapolis to my hometown in in Florida to uh, all around the world. It tends to be a much more selfless uh, brand or or vibe related to the entrepreneurship, and it's it's really a lot more inspiring to me personally because um, it's this level of of you know one of the reasons why refugees are often more entrepreneurial is a kind of a is many reasons you know risk taking uh, uh, ability to um, put, go all in um, you know cross cultural experiences, but one of them too is an ability to have empathy for your community because they've suffered so much and they want right. to create a new home where they, you know, where they are now. And, and I know, um, you know, and I, a big part of it uh, that I realized is they really do kind of have this selfless desire to serve people through their product. And we saw that a lot during the pandemic, for example, recently, because uh, you had immigrants and refugee entrepreneurs that I featured and, and worked with who, you know, they wanted to get loans from our program in large part because they wanted to help their community. They wanted to do a free um, food delivery for the elderly in Durham or uh, provide um, free, you know, soap products and hygiene products. And so to me, it's a lot uh, more inspiring because it's a, it's an entrepreneurship that's saying, I'm going to, you know, take all of the things that have happened to me in my life, create a product or a service that I'm inspired about that I think will bring joy to others. And yeah, you know, in some cases it's a small business or, or a social entrepreneurship venture. In many cases, you know, as as um, the stats show, immigrants and refugees create uh, about 50% of the billion-dollar value companies and are major portions of the Fortune 500 companies. Wow. So sometimes they're big too, but um, yeah, I think even the the small ones to me are, are sometimes the most inspiring. And this might be um, this might be a weird question, but is there any way that we can directly support those women in your book? Is there a way we can buy yeah. their products or commission a painting or anything like that? Yeah, there there are a couple of ways that I am working on. One uh, one of them has actually been relocated um, to France. So I, I chat with um, with two of them pretty regularly. Um, it's a bit difficult in terms of getting funding into the camp uh, mm-hmm. for uh, for that particular person. But um, yeah, basically, if if folks want to reach out to me, I'm, I'm happy to kind of uh, work with them on it, I, and I'm probably going to have a, a GoFundMe at some point. Um, parts of the portions of the, the book sales oh, um, right. go to them specifically and then also to other um, kind of refugee organizations. But I'm happy to kind of share my info, or if, if folks reach out, I'm happy to, to do that as well. 
Very nice. Yes. It's a short book. I'll say that. I'm just blazing through mm. it. Probably will finish it today. And it's very inspiring. If you're listening to this and you think, oh, well, I have a lot going on and that might not sound like something I'd want to read right now. It actually made me feel so grateful for my life reading this and also a desire to get outside of my own brain and body and help other people. So, Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's just, it's fantastic. I appreciate that, Don. Thanks so much. And Andrew, I will say we'll put links to not only the book, but if there's anything else that you want us to share with the audience, let us know. Is there anything you're working on right now that you want to share? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So uh, all of my work kind of relates to underrepresented entrepreneurs. Um, So one thing I'm launching uh, this month and uh, publicly this month is called Mona. Um, And so it's a uh, multi kind of dimensional platform that supports small business entrepreneurs. And so you can go to Mona slash ventures dot com or Mona dot gifts. The kind of recent thing that we're doing is a gifting program that helps corporations provide more impact oriented and culturally oriented gifts. Uh, and we source them from small business entrepreneurs like Syrian, you know, date snack maker, uh, Haitian coffee uh, entrepreneur, um, you know, Taiwanese tea, um, all kinds of things like that. Um, so if you have a company that's looking for their holiday gifts, that's a great way to do it. Uh, and it's a great way to provide a product investment for a lot of the immigrants and refugee entrepreneurs that I work with. Also, if you have a small business that you need a zero interest loan, um, you can go to dreamxamerica.com uh, and we provide kind of a free service uh, to help support uh, in a partnership with a nonprofit called Kiva. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out to uh, to those websites and, and there's, there's a way to connect. Awesome, Andrew and uh, dear listeners, we'll put that on our show links page. It has been a treat to chat with you again, Andrew. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to um, share your stories with the audience and we'll make sure they, uh, we get as many on that book as possible. Thanks so much, Bradley and Don. It's, it's awesome uh, talking with you. you. You all do a great job. Busy time. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> and let us know if there's any projects in the future. In the meantime, thanks again to Andrew Leon Hanna, the author of 25 million sparks, the untold story of refugee entrepreneurs. As I said, we'll put the appropriate links in the show notes pay or the, you know what I mean? Show links page. Show links page <laughs> here on my talk. And when we come back, Don, Yes. From our Not a Book Club to Publationship Corner, Teen. Remember them? Yeah. That's Tori and Dean. We've got an update. Things are getting real rough. Okay. For Tori. It's kind of a left turn. I'm sorry. No, we'll be right, <laughs> right here on My Talk. Hey, My Talkers. Bradley here. Hey, look, for my friends at Alight. We were just talking with Andrew Leon Hanna. He has worked with Alight. 
I got the chance to speak with him because of Alight. Alight is, of course, the Twin Cities-based organization helping displaced persons around the world and, look, right in our own backyard. In fact, I wanted to remind you that Alight is working to welcome families from places like Afghanistan and Ukraine into our own backyard in Minnesota. In fact, millions of displaced people are fleeing violence and persecution around the world. Together, sponsor groups are welcoming refugee newcomers, and you can be a part of that team. The easiest way to learn more about how you can participate, specifically in Alight's Welcome Corps, is to attend one of their info sessions, which are available. Uh, all the details are online. In fact, there's one, oh gosh, today and tomorrow. All the details online, head to wearealight.org today. Like three times today. You guys, this is my talk, and we talk about teen. Which is orienting. <laughs> She's like, look, it. we just talked about people know, struggling, hard. and now we're going to talk about other people struggling who are actually not, not struggling. struggling. Yes. And this this will make, if you heard our interview last segment with Andrew Leon Hanna, I almost don't want to say his name in the same sentence with Tori Spelling. Oh, but know. like, th- it is, just sit with this, okay? The headline I saw, Don, you're not going to believe. Let me pull it up so I can read it verbatim for you because I saw it and I thought, are you kidding me? Yeah. You all know Tori and Dean are allegedly fighting, divorcing. We don't know, but it seems like they want us to think their they relationship want us to is think over. That they are on the rocks. Right. Exclusive. Tori Spelling seen staying at a $100 a night motel <gasps> with her five kids amid Dean McDermott marital strife. After growing up in a $165 million mansion. So I'm like, oh, for the love of what? So I opened this article and sure enough, Tori Spelling is out in a parking lot at a no-tell motel with her and her five kids amid news that she is perhaps divorcing her husband, even though we've been speculating about that for a thousand years there are photos somehow, some way, a paparazzo very clear photos was able close. to track down Tori Spelling at the uh it doesn't say what the no-tell motel is, yeah. but it's literally like it's like any motel. Are you kidding me right now? Why would she need to stay at a motel? Also, if this were real. Yeah, please say what I think you're going to say, what's on my mind. Well, he would be staying at the motel. Thank you. Thank you. He's not making his, uh, you know, Tori Spelling and five kids all go stay at a, quote, crappy flea bag motel. He stays in a house that has the six bedrooms. Yeah. No, that's not happening. This is, if it is, it's, I can't, I don't, it has to be fake, right? It has to be. How did they know she was going to be there? And like every photo, she's like, oh. Every photo she is, like, she's not looking. If she doesn't know the paparazzi are going to be there, she would be looking straight at the camera like, no. Yeah, because that camera's right there. It's right there. And she just so happens to have on some low sling pants and a belly shirt, which is like basically just a bra top. My life's so hard. Oh my gosh! I mean, because you initially she appeared go, downcast oh. outside the roadside motel, 
as she was accompanied by her five children, whom she shares with a strange husband, Dean. You can't even say they're estranged, because despite the fact that uh, we've had all these rumors, it's all been rumors. Neither of them has actually said anything about it. No. Dean posted this dumb, like, alleged statement and Mm -hmm. then took it down, which to me is nothing, Mm -hmm. right? No. What it seems like from the outside is that he posted a statement that said, oh, after many years, it was just like, here's a statement we're making together. And then she must have told, like, they were having a fight. This is what I imagine that they want us to think. Yeah. They were having a fight. He put up the post because he's like, I'm going to say we're divorcing because I'm really going to divorce you this time. So he puts up a post on Instagram, social media. And then it was like, oh, wait, don't do that. Take it down. And he takes it down just so that you're thinking about what could have happened. Just so that you're thinking about them in general. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you wait, wouldn't. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. I don't uh-huh. have it on the right page, so I have to do this. It's fine. You are correct, ma'am. You are correct. I also love the writing in this Daily Mail article. Yeah. Tori appeared downcast outside the roadside motel. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Regardless <laughs> of the circumstances, Tori looked great and in shape <laughs> as she showcased her ripped abs and a black crop top she t- t-shirt and blue navy trousers. And then she had a costume change. <laughs> I love She did have a costume change because then she yes. went back inside. They're like, okay, we got those photos. Then they went back inside and uh, she put on her Kiss graphic t-shirt with tiny shorts. She accessorized with a beaded outfit. necklace while carrying around a beige tote bag. Her signature blonde hair was worn down. In a middle part as she wore minimal makeup and topped it off with a shiny lip. Oh, honey, that is not minimal. It looks <laughs> natural, but she has way more there makeup on. natural. No, it's just the natural look, but I swear that's so much makeup. Now, I will say, I wonder if the motel thing is not for divorce purposes. Do you think it goes back to remember they had mold and the mold was going to kill them? Oh, do you remember that story? Because that was a whole nother side shoot we went down. Yeah, we did. Where she said Mm -hmm. they told us it, but it was a weird. It was another like half true story, like like Emily Goodhand. Oh God, the woman that allegedly had an affair with with Dean. When then they found we found out that she doesn't exist. But she said essentially that her it looked like, or no, it did uh, something. The story was that they, oh my God, they're all in the hospital because they are, have, have mold poisoning. They had to get out of the house. But then we found out that like they had been told that there was mold in the house or something and that she didn't take it seriously. It just all, everything that comes out of this story seems like half truth to me. Right. And I, and I, I feel bad if it's a real story, but frankly. No, you don't. Okay, I it's don't. not a real it's story. It's just because we had a real story I mean, like five minutes ago when we were having our interview, and so now I'm applying know, like real real, real logic to this story, <laughs> and we just shouldn't do that. No. Stop it! So, stop! Stop! Let so not let's, real. Let's Lies. just say that she really did take the kids to get out yeah. because she doesn't want to be around Dean anymore. Oh, 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 oh! Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where would they go? Well, they would go to uh, her mom's house. Hello. Candy spelling, they've reconciled. Which that she would be like, Mom, the question? can you please? And then she's, what, is she going to say, no, you can't be here for a while? Yeah. Go to a $100 motel? She would put him up in the Hilton or something. So what does that mean? Either they haven't reconciled or she's lying. 
Like, this yeah, is not, there's only two she's options She's like, no, Mom, here. I want it to look like we're really, you know, downtrodden. Yeah, like if there was a mold problem, she'd stay with Candy Spelling. She would. Or Candy Spelling would say, I actually don't want all my grandkids here. Uh, uh, look, that's fair. That's fine. I'd tell, I, if I we, were a rich person with children, I'd say, here's a hotel you yeah, can all look, stay Yeah, look, it doesn't matter how much you spend. It's never going to run out. If you spent the... If you spent the money for the rest of your life, you would buy our house. Right. That's what we want. I was excited whenever Candy came back. I'm like, good. Tori can have some money now. (laughs) Well, yeah, so she can like stop having to look for work. Yeah. I will say that Tori Spelling is a hustler, but but something doesn't smell right with this whole story. Yeah. Whether it's the mold, whether Dean is the mold. Maybe I don't they know. were going to Disneyland and it's nearby and it was just convenient for them to oh, stay. Oh, yeah. The They're like, we just want to walk over to Disneyland and didn't want to stay on property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, I don't know where it is, but yeah. I know it's on it a matter. bed of lies wherever it is. Yeah. When we come back, McDonald's cookies and cream pie. Dawn's going to tell us all about it and something fun at Culver's as well. Food talk continues on the adventures of Bradley and Dawn.